Hello, one and all, and welcome to another episode of Unbalanced Encounters. We are going to be doing something a little different this episode. Uh, it has been approximately six months or so within the Rally universe and well north of a calendar year since we started this show. And in that time, we've really not had a lot of time to see the gang just being people. And so we're going to be taking some time here in this episode to catch up with each of our heroes in their quiet moments in Agravar, in the time between their return and their next adventure. Sam, we talked a little bit about what you wanted to explore with June in this little bit of downtime, mm-hmm. and you said that you wanted to spend a little bit of time with Hank now that you've had a chance to like confront your mother and also show up as the uh, superior child in June's mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Hank has never taken down a god. Come on. I like, mean, that you know of. Please. That you know of is all I'm going to say. Like, Doubt it. You know, tw- 25 was... years, you know, he could have gotten up to something. No, he's been sitting home with his thumb up his butt. He hasn't <laughs> done shit. I mean, he is like a, like, a, like a royal leader, so you're probably right. Uh, but I think that we are going to begin with June and Hank. Out for a, a walk in the courtyard space of the Agra Palace. And I think that it's probably late into the afternoon. And you all have done everything that you need to do today. And you're kind of intentionally holding this time to just talk. And I'm very curious, as you sort of take a turn around this courtyard space, this very well-defended, isolated space, where every time, you know, Hank walks into a room, everyone that he doesn't want to be there leaves without saying a word, right? Like, that's the, that's the vibe of this place. I'm curious what you're talking about. What is, what, what, let's, can we get a snippet of that conversation? I mean, there, there was so much pus. There were so many pustules, like, it was You've said disgusting. the word pus so many times now that it just doesn't mean anything anymore, right? Like, it's uh, just, it's just you've repeated it over and over again. I, like, it's still kind of gross, it's but like, I can't visualize it anymore, it you know? It was like two whole episodes of pustules, like, it, like, constantly. That's like, that's like three solid hours of, of, of pus. That's a lot of pus. It was so gross. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was just disgusting, but, like... Man, this thing was huge. And like, oh, oh, and then Mama, Mama caught this arrow and like whipped it back at this <laughs> other guy. It was just That's incredible. so badass. Yeah, you, you missed, you missed a hell of a time. It was so chill. Well, I mean, I don't know about chill. I don't think that's exactly the right word, but. And you see, he kind of looks away. I think at this point, you, you sort of see he runs his hand through his hair. You know, it's, it's funny is. As, as absolutely fucking awful as that entire experience sounds, I am kind of bummed I missed it. Do you, like, 
What do you do for fun here? You don't seem like a really fun guy. Do you have, like... I, uh, listen, I, I know... I mean, you're just kind of uptight, you know? Like, what do you do to get loose? I mean, I have fun. I have fun. We, uh... I, I train. I spar. I, uh... Every now and then I get a brief. That's a lot of fun. A brief. Sure. A, a brief... What? State of military movements on the southern border, stuff like that. Got one this morning that was uh, was was an absolute riot. Apparently, uh, they found a body in uh, some illicit arms dealer's lair of some kind. Some sort of vigilante justice cut straight in half. That was hilarious. Yeah, it's probably best not to look into that at all. <laughs> Just, like, let it go. Go ahead and roll me a persuasion check with advantage. <laughs> Ten. Hank kind of gives you a, a look and is like, I mean, I, w- listen, I'm sure somebody will look into it, but I just, I read the brief. I thought it was funny. That was, uh, that, l- look, that's, that was the highlight of my day. But that's like, that, you're just like sitting and hearing about shit. You're not like actually out doing shit. Like training doesn't count and training does not count. I guess I never really thought about it. Do you have friends that you go hang out with that are not guards or... People in the palace? I feel like if I was friends with anybody outside the palace, they'd probably be... Honestly, need to be inside the palace pretty quickly. You get that close to the seat of power, and it's not super safe to sort of be out in the world. I mean, even lo- honestly, look at, look at the Axtrummer family. Quan had to hightail it up to rally. There's a bit of privilege that comes from not being, you know, sitting on the throne. Being able to go out and... I mean, I, I can go out, you know, if I wanted to, you know, go to a go to a restaurant or catch a show. All I got to do is let them know. They'll clear it out for me, make sure that it's, uh, you know, safe and secure, and then... Clear it out? Then you're not meeting new people. You're not... That's not living. That's not living, hanky-panky. All right. I mean, okay, fine. Fine. J- June? I, I don't have a nickname right now, but what, what do you do for fun? Oh man, we we go out and we try to to fix things and um, mm-hmm. save people and we we smash. Oh man, I've smashed so many things with guard. Guard and I have just been like tearing it up. Uh, we like show off new tricks to each other and uh, go shopping. Yeah, I did. I, honestly, the new clothes are looking pretty great. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I. Can't remember the last time I got to go shopping or. Well, let's go. Let's go. We could like let's go like we'll go see the town, and then we can go, we can go get some food or go to a bar. Um, what is that place? Uh, th- the dark hole. Oh, the dark abyss. Oh yeah 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 that place. Like we could go there and watch a fight and. Watch a fight. Yeah. At the restaurant. And you immediately recognize that Hank genuinely doesn't know that there's a very poorly hidden secret underground fight club beneath the Dark Abyss. He's like the one person in Agravar that doesn't know about this. Oh, great. Uh, what? I think it's a separate, it's a separate thing run by totally different people um, and totally legal. But it's really fun. I mean, if you want to go catch a, catch a fight at this place, I'm I'm happy to... I'll just let somebody know, and they'll do a sweep, no. clear it up. No, why? Why would you need that? Well, I mean, if I get recognized, it's going to be 
problem, right? I mean, if not a security threat, then at the very least, it's going to be a total distraction from everything else that's happening. So you can't be recognized. All right, so you'll go as someone else. But I'm not, I'm not someone else. Not yet. I don't follow. We're going to put you in disguise. You're going to go ahead and roll a deception check. Seven. Tell me what this disguise looks like, please. (laughs) I think June uh, tried to take a note out of whiskers i think she's trying to take a note out of that and like she doesn't think to draw it on she just like cuts up a brown leaf and like sticks it under his nose to look like a mustache and obviously like he's in like we probably went to isaac and asked if we could like oh my god isaac can we borrow your kimono Okay. All right. And so you kind of dress him down into these scruffy clothes covered by an immaculately well-kept ethereal kimono stolen from the afterlife. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do you... You might need a hat. And the two of you find yourselves... In the crowd at the Dark Abyss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dark Abyss. Tonight we have something very special for you. Our anonymous duo tournament. The rules are simple. Don your costume, get your tag team partner, make your way down to the ring, and get on the roster. We've got a slug of great fights for you tonight. See you in the ring. June's holding just a mega pint of, of ale. <laughs> Hank just has like, like, an, a, like a ridiculously oversized wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ca- careful with your mustache there and she'll oh, like, yeah. the- tap it back on. There, I mean, I'll be honest with you, June. There are a lot of God's damn people here. This is, this is honestly, I think, more people than I've seen anywhere other than one of my speeches. But, like, everybody's, it's anonymous. Everyone's going to be dressed up. Yeah, there's a guy dressed as a boar down there by the ring. That's pretty wild. Can I look at that person dressed up as a boar? Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a like a, like a very, um, stocky kind of rotund man who's wearing, like, a boar's head like kind of over his head and like sort of dressed in those furs. And he is standing next to uh, a very lanky woman uh, who is also dressed in furs uh, that are a little more nondescript. Like their faces are obscured. They seem to be like part of who's going to fight tonight. Let's see here. Uh, Is anybody, does anybody have like a mask on or like a pirate hat? I'm looking for something easy for June to put, for June to put on. Like last minute, Concept costume. Uh, go ahead and roll me an investigation check. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> 18. Most of the people in the crowd are not really in... They're, they're, they don't all look like they are here to compete. There are a lot of people who are in 
uh, first of all, just street clothes. There's some people who are in um, costume, and you actually would know that 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 this event is sort of coinciding with a uh, with kind of a major agra holiday that involves sort of dressing up in costume so it's like there's a there's an overlap there so that's probably why a lot of these people are in costume everyone by the ring is in like almost like like wrestling gimmick outfits right like fully oh, no. anonymized like that yes. kind of thing so so you know you look around and it's like you could maybe grab like a you know there's some people in like the little like masquerade masks and just basic stuff kind of around you that you could potentially grab i mean maybe there's like a pirate hat but like you also remember that uh there is a locker room and that locker room may have it's the way that you escaped last time right so it, it, you may have more in terms of like full concept costume stuff perfect all right hank and she'll toss back her mega pint it's time let's go sign up buddy let's do this let's see what you're made of wait hold on you're, you're saying we're gonna go down there we're gonna we're gonna what fight these people yeah yeah we are let's go this is who better to do this than two siblings who just met each other. Listen, I can't fault your logic there. I'm just, I'm a little worried that I'm going to get like recognized down there in the ring, you know? No, I mean, no. I, like, listen, the, the disguise is practically impervious, but like, you know, I, I'm a popular guy. He looks a little trepidatious, and then I think you like kind of grab him and tug him along a little bit, and he like shoots the, the rest of this giant like goblet of wine uh, and tosses the glass into the crowd, and you whoo, and pull him away. Uh, and on an 18 investigation, you slink down i think that you stop and like write something on the little roster that's sort of ringside and uh you zip past and you find yourself in that same locker room <laughs> and it is relatively empty you pass uh, a couple of gaunt men with very long beards that again on an 18 investigation you like immediately recognize as two of oz's wizards from the fight that you caught like walking out to you know kind of wait for their turn to participate and you walk in you, you pull Hank into this uh, locker room, and it is... Come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, all right, all right. This place smells weird. It's a locker room. I highly doubt they clean it. That's disgusting. Yeah, don't, don't touch too much stuff, and she'll start kind of rummaging around. I think that the first couple of lockers that you, like, pop open, nothing's really locked. No one really cares all that much. I think that you uh, primarily find street clothes. It's like the stuff that people had left behind mm -hmm. but uh i think that on an 18 i think that uh at some point you do find uh a, just a full set of costumes that people haven't changed into uh mm -hmm. and i'm gonna turn it right back over to you and ask you what do they look like capybara onesies capybara outfits for sure and I think we see June just, like, throw up a locker. There are two of these capybara onesies just absolutely over the moon ecstatic, just, like, like buzzing as she pulls this thing on. They're so cute! Hank's kind of holding it by, like, what? his two fingers. Don't smell it. Just put it on. You're like, well, all right. Okay, fine. Uh, and he pulls it on, and, and you guys hear from sort of out in the ring, just, like, punches land somebody gets thrown and uh hank kind of zips it up pulls over the hood uh huh doesn't leave a lot of room for fight and honestly doesn't leave much to the imagination and it's like really way too small for him he's just like bulging in this capybara outfit i will lead him out of the door and i'm i want it before we leave we're like oh wait 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 i got something you, 
here, put this on and put the kimono over top of the capybara onesie. All right, good. Dun, 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 everything, dun, dun, dun. everything else, we're gonna we're gonna squirrel squirrel away. All right, all right, okay. Then just put it in the locker, and you shove stuff in the locker. Take him out of this room. Uh, as soon as you walk out of the room, I need a Dex saving throw from June. Guys, it's a it's a what good is, day. What is happening? Uh, that's a that's a two plus six for an eight. Uh, you feel something just <clears throat> collide into you as you hit the back wall and it takes you a second but you realize that you have just caught kind of crosswise uh one of the wizards from the wizards and oz there's another one standing in the ring one of these two bearded men standing in the ring looking very concerned uh and the man who is now like on top of you is just like oh oh and you're like on the ground what do you do oh shit get the fuck off of me uh, uh, Her- Harold can you help me please I'm gonna roll a little insight check that's a nat one fuck <laughs> thanks just watching the fight god damn it Hank oh oh Ju- get this yeah all right. once again Hank rushes over to you uh grabs this guy pulls him up just one handed I mean he's a kind of a he's the, the, this this wizard is kind of a light guy but you know he just lifts him up off the ground. The guy's like, ah, put me down, put me down. Hank sets him down, dusts off his shoulder and says, uh, uh, buddy, I'm not really 100% sure the rules of this thing, but I think you're supposed to stay in the ring. Ding, ding, ding. And you see the wizard gets visibly deflated and, and he's like, it doesn't matter. We lost anyway. You all spend a little bit and sort of watch the next couple rounds as you're waiting for your turn to enter the ring. And it's honestly pretty embarrassing. Like the last time you were here, the fight seemed pretty intense, right? Like people were getting like very seriously hurt and like Oz was a big part of that. And uh, it seemed like there was a lot of chaos, but then also there was sort of this backdrop of like, you were being hunted by wardens and you ended up like nearly killing several people in the aftermath of that. Um, this, This feels a little different. It's honestly a little silly the way that these people are not doing a particularly good job of fighting. And you see just like several missed opportunities, several stance problems, a lot of showboating, and a lot of time spent like hyping up the crowd that is probably not the best use of time in one of these mo- in one of these skirmishes. Uh, you, you get the sense coming up to your turn that this is going to be pretty easy for you guys. Oh, this is, this is, this is a walk in the park. This is going to be, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay, first of all, you can't be Hank. You need a different name. Do you want Harold? Oh, is that you why want... you said Harold? All right, we can, I mean, we can yeah. do Harold. You just got, you got to communicate these things, June. I don't, I don't know what, what to listen for. You could have called me Bucephalus yeah. and I wouldn't, I, how was I, how was I to know? Well, do you want to pick your own nickname? I mean, I don't, what, what are you more comfortable with? What have you always wanted to be called? He's never had this thought like in his life and he just kind of like glances around for a second and is like uh you got call me carl carl is that is that the right answer you know what that's fine just carl though yeah yeah and like he's stammering oh, over his right. answer when Perfect. you guys you guys hear 
My God, we got to get you out more. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for your next round of fighters. Next in the tournament bracket, we have... In this corner, weighing in at a collective 375 pounds, the pig and the polecat. And you see the boar and his partner like step up and there's scattered, very drunken applause and you're in the corner booing. Uh, and then uh, he turns and says, and in this corner, weighing in at a collective 250 pounds, it's the Sabbath, the Sabotage Siblings! And the crowd is like, huh, hmm, huh. Uh, and the two of you step into the ring. And the way this is going to work is we are going to pull back to our fight rules from arc one the way that each round is going to work is uh you are going to have a contested athletics check uh you are going to roll these you're going to get advantage from hank uh they're also going to get advantage so long as both of them are conscious so you're going to have contested athletics then the loser needs to beat a con save and then the winner gets a chance to uh, make a performance check to see if you get a bonus from winning the crowd over Okay. All right, June, oof, oof, oof. let me get an athletics check from you at advantage, please. Okay, the first one was a two. Second one is a 14. Is that a 14 all in? That's a 14 all in. Okay. Uh, they rolled a 16 all in. Who's in first, you or Hank? I'll go first. I think she's doing a fast run and trying to knock the closest one to her off their feet with her bow staff. Uh, so you are doing kind of a straight run. The closest one to you uh, is going to be the polecat. It's the woman who's sort of dressed in those more ambiguous furs that you kind of now recognize are wolverine furs. Uh, <gasps> and <Blasphemy>. she... <laughs> she... Uh, you run at her and she runs up at you uh, and she does just like a full front flip over you and lands and you run smack into the gut of the pig and he does that like cartoon bounce and you fly back and she clotheslines you and you go oh, down onto the ground. I need a con save from you. It's a DC 12. Oh, that one. Oh my God. My con save, my plus zero con, that one. In Incredible. June, uh, you are on the ground. You are prone. Uh, and they are going to make a performance check. They get plus zero to this roll, so it's going to be flat. Uh, yep, that is, that's a 16 on the die. Uh, you see the, the pig is just like, hur, 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 and the crowd is just like, freaking out, they're just like, hur, 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 hur. You are going to be rolling uh, this next one flat, this next uh, this next attempt flat, uh, because Hank uh, runs up to you uh, and is going to help you up, and that's what he's going to spend his time doing here. So please go ahead and roll me another athletics check. Is there any way I could convince you to let me roll that acrobatics? You, you want to no. make you want to make this acrobatics? I think what's going to happen here is that. Um, uh, you can, but it is going to be, uh, like, the result of this is probably going to be more um, about recovery than it is about winning this round. So it may extend the round. 
I'm okay with that. Cool. Okay. Go ahead and yeah. make me let's a show, flat let's show acrobatics a check. Cool. You are trying to beat a 19. Uh, 13. This was a great idea. I think that he tries to pick me up, like, with one hand, and I just kind of fly. Uh, and we see June just, like, flying through the air. Uh, I actually think that, that, that what happens is that you land on the pig's shoulders uh, and he sort of stammers back and is like disoriented. They are going to fail their performance check on this one. So we're going to treat that. We're going to treat that as a, uh, as a push. Uh, so now you are on the pig's shoulders uh, and the polecat turns to Hank uh, with just like a murderous look. Let me get uh, another. I am going to make this one athletics because you are not recovering. Uh, this is going to uh, be back at advantage with Hank. First one's 16. You're only trying to beat a nine this time. Cool. 16. <laughs> okay, a 16. Uh, let me go ahead and make that con save. They failed the con save. <gasps> yeah. How do you take the pig down? I want to drop down to sitting on his shoulders and take the tusks and, like, whip his head <laughs> and whip him off balance onto the ground. Incredible. Uh, you do that and you feel his neck pull a little too far and then he like whips his head around and the the mask is now, he's like fully looking into the back of this hood uh, and he's like um, and you push off of him and he kind of goes into the ropes and like falls forward and lands and the tusks like impale the, the ring uh, and he's just like there on the floor. Uh, while this is happening, uh, the polecat gets distracted. She, like, glances over to see the pig. Uh, and Hank just, like, karate chops her between the shoulder blades, and she, like, stumbles forward <laughs> off balance. <laughs> Do you want to roll to gain the crowd's favor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and roll me a, uh, we're going to say a performance check here at advantage. The one was worse, so that's a 10. Capybara, 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 capybara. On a 10, on a 10, on a 10. A 10 was less than the DC you needed. This was a, a DC 17. So you're seven under here. Uh, if I get, if I get above a seven on the die, on this insight check, uh, the crowd is going to recognize something. That's a 13. The crowd whew, goes hushed. That's one round each. Can I get... Contested athletics, this is going to be made an advantage. Ooh, first one's a 23. You're trying to beat uh, 21, so you do. Do you want to see if you get higher? Uh, I. It's a 23. Okay, a 23. A 21. All right, uh, they need to make a con save. they got to beat a 12. They succeed. What does this look like? Harold, grab her and... I thought we settled on Carl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Carl, grab a hold of her. And I want to run up and pull vault with my my staff and kick her right between the shoulder blades and try to kick her into Carl Harold. You do, and she like slams into his chest and then he full suplexes her back and her legs just like, boom. They are both on the ground uh, and you hear the bell. Ding, ding. Ladies and gentlemen, your winners for this match, the Sabotage Siblings!
And from the crowd, you hear, Hey, ain't that the Lord Governor? <laughs> that's that's not the Lord Gov. That, that and she's like trying to throw her voice. That's not the Lord Gov. That's go ahead and give me a deception Carl check. Carl Harold. That's a sixteen. Okay, uh, a sixteen passes uh, the DC here. There's clearly like a contingent of people who believe that it's the Lord Governor, but then other people are like, "Why would the Lord Governor be dressed as a capybara, wearing a fake mustache at this fight right now?" Hank is like. Uh, Jude, any thoughts? Uh, let, let's give a little bow and we'll, we'll, we'll skedaddle. We're going to go with the locker room because we need to get our clothes. Go ahead and roll me an acrobatics check. We're going to kind of treat this as how you're getting away. It's a net 20 for okay, 26. Okay, done, done, done. She's just flipping and shit. You and Hank are just doing the sickest flips over people, just like standing double front flips, just like straight into the locker room. You like skid slide in, you punch the locker, grab your stuff, run to the window. Hank does the little like boost and like uh, somersaults you through the window and you pull, put your staff in through the window and pull him out behind you. And the two of you are just running through the streets of Agravar at twilight. the whole time and with that we draw to a close and the next morning uh we see hank at his desk going over his morning briefs like he he, he will occasionally get like a uh, like agravar's version of the national inquirer as just like his guilty pleasure just like a total fucking rag sheet <laughs> plastered all over the cover of this tabloid is the worst rendition of the two of you at the Dark Abyss with big block print Lord Governor spotted at well-advertised secret underground fight club. (laughs) Capybara, capybara, capybara. Uh, We are going to jump to Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were kind of talking about what you wanted to uh, to explore, that we, we had a couple of things that we were kicking around, right? Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we, we were talking about possibly uh, spending a little bit of time with Rami, which I know uh, everyone is excited to, to get back to at some point. Yes, well... <laughs> Um, and, uh, we had a couple of, we had a couple of other options on the table, but, uh, what we ended up deciding on was, uh, was, was some holiday time for Isaac. I think what happens in kind of the days after your shopping expedition, uh, is that you realize that the big beginning of winter celebration that obviously you would have grown up celebrating, uh, called Animarum is coming up and it's the kind of thing that like i don't think i mean you tell me but i I don't think isaac would have like continued to celebrate in rally i feel like it was very much like a uh like a reminder of home and kind of a 
kind of an unpleasant way. He probably tried to the first couple years, and he realized that Dale and, and Katerin were like, no, 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 we're not doing, we're not getting, okay, yes. yeah, that's fine. That, that's no, that's yeah. perfect. Yes, that's very good. Um, And so it's been a while since you've you've thought about this this holiday, but it used to be a really big deal for you and your family, and, and I think it clicks for you that, like, Griffin's been gone, and Quan is now in rally, right? Has now is now uh, you know kind of a refuge in, in, in rally, and so your folks are are going to be alone for Anamarum for potentially the first time in all of you know in your life, certainly. And so I think that we see Isaac make his way through the streets of that posh neighborhood, headed to his mother's home. Uh, Isaac walking down the street. What 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 kind of uh, weather are we talking, Patrick? So this is the, we are coming into the beginning of winter, and and in your memory, it would have been. Uh, yeah, Agravar is 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 fairly temperate. I don't think that there was ever uh, you know kind of a ton of snow in this part of the world, uh, but it would have been a lot of leaves turning color a lot of uh you know kind of sweater weather right like that mm-hmm. would have been i think the vibe i think that's that's sort of what immediately comes to mind for you like what conjures up in your in your memory is uh is you know kind of the leaves turning red now it's a little warmer than you remember uh, it's like i never left except i definitely shouldn't have worn this sweater sweat my ass off but uh I keep it on. I look good in this. Okay. He walks over to his to his parents' home. The tree is it? Is he getting those those colors from the tree? The one that that June was was climbing first time. <laughs> um. So the I think I think you get a little bit. I think you get a little bit. But I also think that um you're pretty focused on on getting there. And so you see some red kind of out of the corner of your eye, and you you make your way to to this house and. Uh, I also, I, I'm curious. Are you uh, are you bringing the the plate mail with you uh, to to work on? Yeah, I thought that might be the case. Um, so you're like schlepping this full suit of armor <laughs> with you, <laughs> humming uh, Anamarum uh, carols, jingle, jingle, jingles, jingles, hymns, hymns, <laughs> autumnal hymns. Uh, Kicks the door open because his hands are full. Isaac, I know you didn't just kick my door open. No, it 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 opened on its own. Come on in, sweetie. I'm just making dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks around. Are the decorations already up? Yeah, I mean it's it's all of the you know kind of red bunting gold trim you see there's a big bowl of gold chocolate coins by the front door uh and everything is yeah 100 percent. and everything is is very much as you remember um and you probably plop the armor down in the armor the dedicated armor room that your mother has yeah where, uh, where, where guard was getting, right. getting his little mani petty and uh, you kick your shoes off and, and walk in uh, to, to the kitchen. Uh, what do you think? What do you think uh, your your family would have uh, prepared for food for this holiday? For this holiday, I think it's mostly mostly food that can be eaten outside because okay. they like to sit on the porch or the patio and yeah. and watch the festivities outside. And and there's there's a bunch of. Uh, 
his mom's got a whole bunch of um, cider set up. Yes. Uh, to be basically spoons uh, are ladled into mugs yeah. for them to drink on, as well as they got a, they got little meal plates. She's got little meal plates set up for them to. Uh, I want to say it's like a not a cookout, but yeah. like basically a dinner that's gonna be set up on a table uh, outside, and basically yeah. folks can just walk up, grab a plate, have a little chat, and then cont- either continue their day or they just enjoy the the festivities on on their lawn basically yeah absolutely and i think i think that we see um uh you know a lot of that hearty what we would know as southern fare i mean she's pulling out trays of biscuits from the oven you've got this thing of cider going on uh you know kind of a little side burner big like canning kettle full of malt cider pop got the hog going yeah, your dad is out back. He's got it going on the spit. It should be right about done. And you see that she, you know, puts, she's slathering everything in honey butter. Uh, you know, there's like uh, cinnamon going into stuff. She's got, uh, she's got, you know, kind of Brussels sprouts coming out onto uh, onto a big plate. She's putting everything, uh, everything together. Isaac's uh, already got his plate ready. And uh, <laughs> Isaac, could you go ahead and, could you go ahead and uh, roll me either a perception or an insight check right off the bat here? I'll create it. Both of those. Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go insight because okay. I actually have a plus to that. That's a ten. Okay. Uh, on a ten, you notice that there are way too many plates. Uh, ma, mama. Uh, you know it's just me, you, and Pa, right? <sighs> yeah, I, uh, I do, honey. I, I, I do. Um, <laughs> she kind of forces a smile for, for force a habit darling force a habit oh i can i can get us some more people if you want me to oh, no, run around town yeah don't worry about it no listen here um let's uh let's let, we're gonna we're gonna start pulling this stuff outside your daddy's gonna bring it out bring uh, bring the hog around here shortly uh let's 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 get started honey no 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 reason why we should uh we should wait we should try to get anybody else's but we got pl- plenty of love right here if if he noticed that and he noticed his mom i think he'd go out to that tree um, and he'd cast speak with animals. You go out to this tree and uh, you see that it's sort of a low kind of not gnarled, but very like twisty, kind of almost like a Japanese maple and very similar to a Japanese maple. It is just a light uh, in brilliant red leaves at this time of year. Uh, you cast speak with animals to what end? He needs numbers. He needs people. He needs He needs folks to show up. Are, are you are you are you telling me that you're trying to substitute your family with like the squirrels that live in the trees? The the animals are supposed to get interested parties to come by the house. I see, I see, I see, I so see. He's just gonna a whole okay. a whole cool. line of critters show up, and he's Great. just gonna get into military form, and he's like, all right, now I need scouts. You see, there's just like a row of chipmunks standing at attention in a formal mm-hmm. salute. I need scouts to run out, find the most interested in in holiday festive type folks, and make sure they make their way in this direction. The food will do the rest. Can I count on you? Go ahead and roll me an animal handling check at advantage, please. Oh, 18. Okay. Uh, DC for this was 15. The chipmunks uh, all disperse into the streets of Agravar. And it's going to take them a little bit to pull people in, but uh, you... you yeah, you and, and your mom kind of bring things in. You're, you're, you help 
your dad kind of hauled this full, like, suckling pig, that crisp skin. Again, everything's coated in in, in honey, he, apple in its mouth. There's ginger suffused through everything. Damn, Dad, did you have to get the biggest pig they had? There's only three of us. Oh, you did the same thing as Mama. Never mind. Let's just get this thing over with. Listen, son, you know how it is. We get into this uh, rhythm, this routine, and they just had one earmarked for me, so... Uh, what we had access to. Fucking heavy though. Damn. That's because you're getting old. You're not wrong. Don't worry. Agrivald keep you, you and Mama busy. I have a job offer for Mama if she's interested. As you say that, you see that she kind of comes out with this huge platter of potatoes. Uh, and your dad shoots you a look like, now's probably not the time. Uh, and she sets it down on the table. And I think that the three of you tuck in and i think that your mom gives you plenty of advice on how to repair the plate mail uh and i think that she you know she's like after after dinner we're, we're gonna go in we're gonna get that fixed right up for you honey i mean i'm so yeah of course we'll do that later let's just so let just sorry about you. what happened with guard i mean i your old armor looks a mess oh well yeah you know you've seen the size of that Work of art, basically. He caved basically my chest in, too, but all, all ends well and whatnot. Let's just enjoy the festivities, and I'll tell y'all some stories of how much of a knucklehead me and Dale were back in Rally. And I think you start to tell those stories. And I think that people do start to come by. The chipmunks do start to deliver. Happy anamarum to all of y'all. Come on, come on in. Grab a plate and everything. This from my family to yours. From the Axtroma family to yours. Actually, go ahead and go ahead and do me a favor. Go ahead and roll me. We're gonna say just a flat charisma check. 21. Incredible. The dinner goes extraordinarily well for the most part, and you recognize, especially on the face of your father appreciation for whatever the fuck you did to like start guiding people through to the front porch of this home are there any um young families in the group yeah absolutely absolutely um i think as he's passing out plates of, of food to the different families and they're enjoying all the um decorations of his household as well as the streets and everything um i think he just says to some of the the kids running around reminding him of the kids climbing on guard back in rally um, he goes uh kids y'all ever heard of pandar's descendant darla i mean anybody who who knows this wonderful holiday that we celebrate knows about this wonderful tale of this adventurous demigod this is of your own devising, right? Yes, completely okay. my own. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. I'm going to have you roll me. You're going to roll me a performance check. Are you, do, do you care if your family overhears this? Are you trying to make sure that they overhear this? Like, how are you interacting with your, with your parents in this space? Because the kids we're going to roll something for, but then I'm curious how you, are you like, how you're thinking about your parents here? I think Isaac wants his parents to hear this. Okay. Mainly because he's trying to sh to show their way of cuz eventually he has to leave as well. Yeah, and he yeah. wants to give them an understanding that 
their family is everywhere. Yeah. Their community is their family. Mm-hmm. And he wants to try and have them be the foundation in the spreading of this uh, tale that he's... Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have you roll just a performance check uh, for just to see how how everyone, all your audience sort of responds here. Can I get advantage because the food's so good? Yeah, sure. Oh, mama's cooking so good. 17. Okay, okay. A 17, a 17 is very good. You see these kids. Many of them are in... Uh, costumes, wearing masks, they've got face paint, all of them have some measure of like red braided into their hair, gold, you know, kind of leaf on on their clothes, are sitting at attention, nibbling on bits and pieces from the table, and you begin to tell them a new fable. And they, having been raised in a world where the predominant narrative is that the gods are dead, They're in awe. All right, I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can see. All right, little guy, I can see the the food's good. All right, tell y'all the wonderful tale of Pandar's daughter, Dala. As you all know, Pandar, along with the other gods, basically went away for for a while. And Dala was very sad as her daddy was gone from her life forever. But her daddy did leave some gifts behind. And he knew to give them to Dala because she was a wise, wise daughter. And when he gave her these gifts, Dala wasn't a very selfish being. She thought the whole world should share my daddy's gifts. So... She went across the plains of our realm and she started planting the gifts that her daddy left for her. And her only wish for all of us was to do the same with these gifts so that we can continue giving out these wonderful presents to our children and our children's children and he starts pointing at the kids and when you get older and have children of your own you'll be able to farm and harvest and give those same gifts out to everyone throughout this country and these kids absolutely devour what you're telling them. And you make sure that your family sees what you're doing, and they do. And you make sure that they overhear what you're doing. I am going to roll a little wisdom check for your father. Uh, He does get a plus three to this roll. If he rolls above a 15, he is going to see what you're doing in the spirit in which it is intended. If he rolls below a 15, he is going to perceive what you're doing from the lens of his very religious upbringing. Of course. So 13 on the die plus three is a 16. He comes over and he puts his hand on your shoulder. Gives it a little squeeze. It's true, you know. What Isaac says, it's a God-given right to be able to farm the land. It's going to be yours, too. 
one day. And the kids, you know, excited by the tapestry and the pageantry of this holiday, the new story that they're being told that they have genuinely never heard anything like before, start jumping up and down and one of them grabs your hand and starts dragging you away and says, Mr. Isaac, Mr. Isaac, uh, you should you should come help us hang the coins. Uh, I gotta make sure my my parents are tucked in at night and safe and sound. But I, I sure. Your dad rolls his eyes and nods his head to send you off. And all right, let's go. And we see you get dragged into the neighborhood at large. And you can see other families that have put out tables similar to yours. It's not all of them, but it is a lot of them uh, that have put out these banquets effectively for everyone within the neighborhood. And all of the ones that haven't have these big bowls of, of gold foil chocolate coins set out. And all of the children in this neighborhood are doing exactly what you remember. In their costumes, they're going around, they're taking handfuls of these coins, and you see that they're all on strings. Because these are not for eating, at least not today, they're for remembrance. The point of this celebration is to leave an offering for the souls in the trees, something that harkens back to a legend long forgotten. And the way that it is celebrated by children is that they make a wish on each individual coin and hang it around a little branch. And we flash back. Isaac, are you the oldest? No, no, Isaac's the middle child. Quan's the oldest. You are running down the street with a big armload of these chocolate coins. <laughs> and you hear from behind you, Isaac, wait up! And a couple of them, you know, kind of scatter to the ground. <clears throat> Isaac, stop running so fast! it doesn't make sense. Your legs are longer, and yet you are slower. <sighs> Listen, I I read faster, damn it. Oh, so we're using those words today? Because mama ain't around? Uh, and I think it's at that point that Griffin catches up, and Griffin has to be maybe four years old. Griffin, say damn it. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Why? Cause Quan gonna get in trouble because you said damn it. Alright, let's go. <laughs> Quan gonna get in trouble. And Griffin toddles after you, and Quan's just like, ah. Oh. <sighs> Alright, come on. And the three of you are running through these streets, surrounded by friends and family. Lights hung from the rafters and the eaves illuminate the otherwise moonless night. And every tree that you can see is turned for the season, and these maples are on fire in the fields. You can see the lantern light glint off of the gold foil as these coins turn in the wind. Kids are helping each other up, climbing these trees to the low branches to tie more off. Sometimes a parent will hoist a child up to get to a higher free branch. I think the three brothers have a system where it goes Quan, yeah. and then Isaac, and then Griffin's at the top. 
<laughs> just tower of the three Axe boys. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and give me, uh, we're going to say an acrobatics check here. Oh, let's go. Yeah, that's an eight. <laughs> uh, you hoist Griffin up. Griffin ties off one of these coins uh, and is holding on to the branch for stability. And uh, Isaac, your foot slips on a leaf. Immediately push Griffin and he'll take the whole fall by himself. And Isaac flat out on the ground. Quan lands on his feet and Griffin is just like up in the tree (laughs) and just like, Isaac, I can't get down. How do I get down? What do you do? Isaac, Isaac's looking to Quan. um, And then seeing him panic, he's just going to start trying to climb the tree to get up there. Isaac, you're going to get hurt. You know mama says no climbing trees, especially not after dark. Yeah, but but Griffin. And he starts climbing up the tree. No, I guess no we do have to get Griffin. Can't let him die. Uh, and you see Quan on an 18 insight starts running around and asking everyone for their cloaks. And he starts laying out this like landing pad he grabs some leaves he shoves it underneath he like is tearing up a little bit of the loamy earth and pushing it underneath these cloaks and building a landing pad can i get uh either an acrobatics or an athletics check from isaac as well definitely athletics uh it's a 24 actually i'm i I put them all all my stats at zero because he's a child so just an 18 okay it's still on an 18 you get to the branch and griffin is crying and scared but in a defiant sort of way he's choking back some of that fear and he sees you reach out to him i think i'd sit on the branch you get up onto the branch and without hesitation he lets go of the branch not thinking about how you're gonna catch him or hold him just trusting you implicitly and he lets go and he starts to fall and you get him up under the arms and then you spin around and you're like your legs are locked around this branch you are fully upside down griffin is like in your arms and you glance down and you see kwan and kwan says go ahead it's safe i promise you ready He's so brave, Griffin. And then he lets go. And you hit this cloth pile and all of these leaves fly up around you. Just laughing. And the three of you laugh as all of the leaves gently flutter to the ground. And Isaac, this comes back to you as these children are dragging you through these streets. And you realize something. The tree that's in front of your mother's home is the only one you see that has turned a vibrant red. People have planted trees here, uh, olive trees, a few palms, things that keep the space green and feeling alive. But all of the red that you saw out of the corner of your eyes as you were making your way in that you just assumed was what you remembered from childhood was instead carefully hung garland. Ropes of shaggy red mass strung across alleyways and in rafters. And you see parents lifting children, children scrambling up the sides of buildings to hang their coins. 
but it's not on the trees. Those trees are gone. Oh, well, uh... Alright, kids, you, this is the part where y'all tell me, uh, how, how we do this. Where, where am I hanging these, these precious coins? And he's gonna pick up those three coins that he swiped from his mom's, uh, bucket earlier. And we draw to a close. So Emily, when when we were coming up with the story that we wanted to tell for for Safra here, mm -hmm. uh, your initial impulse was uh, let me have a shopping day with June, and then that happened uh, in happen. our last yes. episode, and uh, Harissa was maybe not actually the most jazzed about it, but I think she's she's looking pretty good right now. Uh, you want to remind us what her outfit looks like at the moment? Um, she has come away with an outfit that is still kind of like a lot of fabrics kind of reminiscent of the poncho you know it's kind of like loose uh but it's got a big sort of sash around the middle now so it's kind of like tied very ronin-esque i would say in the kind of like that loose fitted kind of style and sort of like big sleeves and things like that uh i imagine her in a very deep red and sort of like gold Ooh. trim uh, so she's just kind of she's leaning into that sort of the red and gold like wants to match spinks a little bit and yeah just sort of enjoying looking looking fabulous looking amazing uh Incredible. even gotten some little bits that she's put in her hair as well just to kind of match that little sort of gold uh bits and pieces yeah. in her hair. yeah right tinsel little like little bits of like thread that she's kind of like maybe put into little plaits and stuff cool things That's like that she's sick. looking she's looking good that's fucking good. That's very good. And when, uh, as soon as we had done that scene, uh, we we were like, okay, well, we can't do that scene again. What what do you want to do? Um, and you said that you wanted uh, Safra to spend a little bit of time re-familiarizing herself mm -hmm. with Agravar. Very clear emphasis on on the re-familiarizing because this is not Safra's first time in the city, and. I'm curious as to what what that looks like. And I think a little bit more specifically, I want to know, like, where is she going? What kind of places uh, is she seeking out? Uh, and have they changed? Have they not changed? It came up briefly, I think, in previous episodes where Safra says she is vaguely familiar with Agrafar, but not as much as Isaac, because Isaac basically grew up here. Um, she was here when she was young. It was her the first kind of big place she'd come upon after she left her family. And at first it was terrifying. It was huge. It was bigger than anything she'd ever seen before. There were more people than she'd ever seen before. It was loud and smelly and crowded. And she didn't know where she was going, what she was going to do. She stuck to trying to keep herself very invisible, trying to 
you know, steal away an apple here or there, you know, just trying to kind of like do what she's doing. Um, it was a hard, a hard start to being alone for, for Safra, but she was determined. She, this was, she had chosen this for herself and that was what was important. Uh, so I think now she's looking back at those streets, the markets, those alleyways and remembering those times where she nearly got caught or ha where she may have slept really rough for a few nights. Um, a little bit, really mixed emotions, I think. I think sadness, because she's frustrated that that had to happen to her younger self, but also a little bit of pride that she managed to get through it. And like, look at her now walking through these same streets. If her younger self could see her now, she'd think, holy shit, that woman is badass. And she'd be proud of herself. I think I would like you to please roll me. Uh, we're just going to say a, a flat wisdom check. That's a two for a five. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, somebody did not tell the dice that they could like take the weekend off. We're doing great, guys. We're doing so great. On a five, you start out the morning because I do think that you're you're lighting out kind of early, right? I think Safra is not usually an early riser, but I think you're kind of you're feeling yourself today. Got a little bit of energy left over from the days before. I feel like you're kind of you're up, you're moving, and and yeah. you start out from the palace, which is where you're all staying. And you find yourself in a very unfamiliar part of town. This is not where you would have spent most of your time in Agravar. This is very much a place that, let's be honest, you would have been moved along from when you first got to the city. And I think there is an element of that sort of look at you now that you're sitting with and that you are taking pride in, that... that the 16-year-old runaway who had all of the expectation of destiny put upon her but never any power to choose her own destiny got to where she is, being honored, being respected, being cherished, being appreciated on her own. But I think that the unfamiliarity means that you spend a fair amount of time kind of lost in the streets. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that the first thing that you see that you're like, oh, wait, I kind of know where I am, is that you turn a corner and there's a little produce shop with a stall out front. And it looks a lot like other produce shops. It's, it's kind of nondescript, but you see that they have... Uh, their pears arranged in just like a very specific kind of meticulous way that's just like it's that it's that instant like this was out of the ordinary at the time it is exceptional now mm. i think i might know where i am and i think that what we see is we see safra move through this neighborhood with an increasing measure of sureness in her step. And we see her kind of wind around a building up a staircase to sort of a public courtyard that's half a level up from this building, get a better view, make her way back down. There are bakeries and little tailor's outfits. And mm -hmm. you pass by a little statue and it is 
worn down to almost smooth marble at this point, but you kind of run your hand over it and you remember that it is a very old statue to Pandar. And at the time, when you were here as a 16-year-old, you didn't know it as a statue to Pandar. The features were all rubbed down. It was just kind of this, this vague kind of silhouette of a, of, a, of a bipedal shape. And now it's even more so. Now it's almost just kind of a plinth of marble, little, you know, kind of foot-tall plinth of marble set into this wall. But what you remember it for was as a way marker mm. to Haldir's. And sure enough, you turn around, and the chocolatier is right behind you. Same sign, same little closed sign in the window. Looks like it's gotten a fresh coat of paint, but otherwise unchanged. What do you do? As soon as she turns around, the smell is so familiar. You know how a smell can just evoke a memory in such a strong way compared to like so many other things? And she was just, for a moment, back when she was a young teen, staring at the same shop, a growling belly, and remembering Granny Rosa's chocolates, and it just breaking her a little bit. And I think without thinking, she just steps towards the shop and tries the door handle. It's unlocked. She's just going to automatically step in and take in the creak of the floorboards or the the light hitting the shelves the same way they always did. um, And just stand there for a minute. You walk into this tiny little chocolaterie. There's a display case along one side. There are shelves along the back with, you know, kind of glass jars of cocoa beans and spices and little display things. There's like a little brass scale, just the bric-a-brac of running in this little confectionery. And bent over... A huge bronze pot is this larger-than-life silhouette, this this man who is twice as wide as Harissa and a head again taller with a big wooden spoon stirring something in this cauldron. And hearing the door, he says, uh, My friend, we are not uh, open for a few more hours, I would love to have you come back. Uh, if you uh, remind me that you were here earlier, I'd be happy to take 10% off your order. Without even thinking, automatically she would come out with the same thing she would always say every time this would happen. If you are closed, lock the door. How many times do I have to tell you? And this man lets go of this massive two-handed wooden spoon, turns around... And you see a familiar face, double chin, prominent paunch, huge mustache that you remember as jet black that is now snow white. And his eyes light up. No. (laughs) That is not the daughter of my heart, Safra Harissa. 
she just grins. You don't get a chance to like respond. <laughs> yeah. He, in three steps, is just poof, poof, all the chocolates are jumping in the case as he's walking across this floorboard. And he pulls you into a bear hug and <gasps> spins you around. All of the wind oh, okay. leaves oh. your chest. And he drops you and he holds you back and he says, let me take you in, darling. You look good. I mean, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> you, you're looking well. My God, you've, but you've barely changed. Oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to die. I'm immortal. I mean, if you can eat this much chocolate every day and still be alive, I think you are correct. You've got exactly the right idea. I have been testing the gods every day of my blessed life, and they ain't take me yet. I don't think they're ever going to take me. This place is an institution, and I ain't going nowhere. Remind me, what's his name? How dear. Thank you very much for that name submission. Elder Crow, our patron Elder Crow with the name How dear. Thank you. Safra's smile is going to falter, and she is going to try and find the ways, the words to apologize to him. I... I'm sorry, Haldir, for... for the way I left. I should have said something. I should have... Perhaps I shouldn't have left at all. Uh, roll me an insight check, please. Oh, that was nearly a nat one. A seven, totaling a ten. Well, the DC <laughs> on this was... Twenty. Hey! <laughs> I did so great. Before you can uh, read a reaction off of Haldir, he has set you down, turned away, uh, and just he spins back around with a plate of little chocolate confections, uh, and he shoves it into your hand, and then he spins around again. Uh, he takes three bounding steps back to that huge cauldron, uh, pulls a metal ladle off the wall, two mugs, and in like one practice gesture, it's like... Pfft, pouring hot chocolate uh, and he whips around and he comes back and he sets them down on the counter and he brushes back he's got like um sleeveless vest on uh that you know it's it's like one of those like flowing kind of sleeveless vests he like pulls pulls it aside a little bit uh you see he's got uh uh like a belt uh almost kind of like a bandolier of different spice vials and he pulls <laughs> out a uh, little like ancho chili and cinnamon one uh and he's just like spiking these uh these these hot chocolates and he clicks them back into place uh and he hands you one which is like a difficult thing for you to take because you've got your hands full of this platter of chocolates oh, uh, okay. um and then he like gestures to a small little marble top table uh, by a display case on the far wall from where you're standing uh, and leads you to sit down. And he says, come, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I won't hear hey. none of that talk. Sit. Saffron, tell me everything. How are you? Uh, where do I even begin? Um... She's gonna juggle, puts down the tray and the and the mug, and I. Uh, would you believe me if I said that I have already battled against several gods? I think as soon as you say uh, battled against several gods, uh, he looks at you and with without missing a beat, uh, he says, "Ah, so you've been working up. You're come to finish me off. I'm the final one, right?" A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, you know, I had to get my practice in. Well, I'll warn you, I'm gonna be a tough I'm gonna be a tough nut to kill. You're not wrong. I don't why are you so happy to see me? What on earth do you mean, Safra? 
it's like no time has passed. Like, it is still, I dread to say, a couple of decades ago. And I was so scared that I hurt you with what I did. How many times did you tell me to leave that door locked when we were closed? I think at least every day. So we're going to go ahead and say a couple hundred times. Give or take. Saffer, did you ever once ask me why I don't lock that door when we're closed? Huh, now you, now you mention it. It never really occurred to me. I just, maybe forgetfulness. He shakes his head, takes a deep pull of that hot chocolate, just like finishes it off in one. Uh, and he's got Damn. a little hot chocolate stain on his mustache. <laughs> it was so that you could walk in here when you needed. You, when you were 16, you today... You and everybody else that has ever needed a little bit of a smile. Now you're worried about whether or not you hurt me. And I'll be honest with you, Safra. You did. I was crushed. I was worried sick for the first week you didn't show up. No note, no nothing. But then I settled in and assumed that you were making your way in the world same ways you made it into mine. And I was hurt. But just because somebody hurt you collaterally in their pursuit of whatever they need to be chasing doesn't mean you can't be happy to see him again. Safra is going to think on that for a minute and look down into her hot chocolate and take a sip or five. (laughs) Here, take one of these. I know you love these. And he hands you what we have been using mechanically as Goodberry for the entire campaign. A little chocolate truffle that was the <laughs> style that you introduced to him by way of Granny Rosa that he helped you perfect in your time here. Safra will recognize it and smile and she's going to pull out her tin and hand him one of hers and... Let's let's see how mine holds are we, up. Huh? Are we doing this? Are yeah. we doing this? Let's do it. Let's see who's right. better. We always, I always said that mine were always better, and you never believed me. And he pops it in, and we flash back. The two of you are standing in the kitchen of Haldir's Chocolates, and. You have just handed him this truffle. And he takes it and he says, kind of running his hand over his black mustache. Now, Safra, I know your grandma has taught you quite a bit about the business. You've been trying to work this recipe for your entire time here. Every time you put one of yours up against one of mine, falls a little short. You sure this is the one you want to try? I've cracked it this time. I know I have. Alright. We're gonna see. He pops it in his mouth. 
she's just going to watch him intently, just like unblinking, watching for any sign of any kind of emotion whatsoever on his face. He puts his hand on his hip. No sells the tasting, but is contemplative. And you see him straighten a little bit. And you feel something that you did not know how to accurately process when you were 16. But today, you recognize the feeling of manifesting your magic. As you successfully cast Goodberry for the first time. He gains one HP. (laughs) But at the moment, you recognize it more as success. He straightens and he says, Well, I'll be damned. Safra, you did it. I I did it? I, I mean, of, of course I did it. I mean, uh, it was obvious I was going to do it eventually. And she's just like blushing, but trying to play it cool. Yes, it absolutely was. Believe in yourself, girl. And you know why? Why? Because you are every bit as talented as me. I don't... And one day, you'll be every bit as talented as you need to take over this place. When she hears those words, it's almost like she freezes and her pride kind of falters into a fear. And I think he sees that change in her face. Um, thank you, but, you know, you're, you're going to be here for ages. Uh, I'm, you know, it's, you're immortal. You said yourself, right? That doesn't mean I don't get to retire one day, and I can't think of anyone better to leave this here shop to than you. She's going to just thin-lipped smile and nod. And I think she's going to try and carry on as normal for the rest of the day until it gets dark. And when it gets dark, I think we see you close up shop. You go to lock the door. You do. You miss that behind you, he comes by and unlocks it. And then you retreat to the room over the shop that Haldir, having known you for one hour as the wayward girl who tried to lift a chocolate from the store, immediately offered a job to, and then found out that you were talented, and then found out that you had been taught the basics of chocolate work by your grandmother, He had given you his kindness and his hospitality before knowing those things. And you slip into the room above the shop and you gather your things. Slip out into the streets of Agravar to once again run away from a pressure that wasn't yours and a responsibility that you didn't choose.
and we return to the present. You taught me a great many things. Just in the short months that I was here. And I will... I have never and I will never forget them. And still now I have been in your shop for five minutes and you teach me yet another thing. I ran from responsibility and have done so for most of my life. I always felt people were trying to choose my life for me. One of the reasons I ended up here in the first place. And I don't want my leaving you be a reflection of how I felt about you. I loved it here. I loved you. I still do. I mean, what am I talking about? <clears throat> I suppose what I'm trying to say is thank you. You know, it's so funny to me. You're sitting here as your hot cocoa gets cold. Wasting all that breath. Trying to apologize to me. When all you've ever had to do is to forgive yourself. I think you'll find that's easier said than done. And I always liked it better cold anyway. Cinder, mm -hmm. when we were talking about kind of what story we wanted to tell uh, for Guard, I think we went in a, a bit of a different direction than we did with many of the other uh, the other other players. Where kind of as per usual, we are exploring a lot of like where they come from and like what in their past has motivated them, and that Guard just mm -hmm. doesn't fucking have that, right? So we talked about uh, uh, you know kind of exploring a little bit of how Guard would would show up in Agravar, and so I think my opening question for you is. What errand would Guard be on that would justify his being out in the streets uh, sometime between the hours of 4 and 6 a.m.? I don't think Guard is out on an errand okay. specifically. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when Guard was at rally, even at night when everyone was sleeping, there was work to do. There was always patrol to do. There was a very clear... It's time to take action was always the mood. Yeah. And I think that in a weird sort of way, Guard is more comfortable with a horde of monsters in front of him than he is with nothing to do in a place that's reasonably safe, where the only thing to really do is to wait or to do something that is not the goal. So I think that Guard is taking a walk. 
not because he has a thing he needs to do, but because he wants to have a thing he needs to do. And he is very uncomfortable sitting, knowing that there is the emperors are out there, knowing that there are these gods going crazy and these forces that he has to stop. Yeah. And because everyone that he is with has to sleep, has to maintain their bodies, has familial relationships that they feel like are as pressing as the mission, he has to slow down on yeah. their behalf. And as much as, as much as he has accepted that that is the nature of things for most creatures, I think inside it's something that he still struggles with quite a bit. So in yeah. these sort of quiet moments when no one is watching, I think his anxiety around that comes out and it's expressing itself not by him like twiddling his thumbs or or pacing a house, but essentially, quote unquote, patrolling yeah. the town at night. Not even really looking for something, but just moving to keep himself moving. I am going to ask you to please uh, make me a survival check, if you would be so kind. I would. I'm not terrible at those. It's one of the only things I'm not terrible at. It's yeah, wonderful. It's like that and stealth. Although for I did roll a five, so we're starting with a nine. Yes! The session. I'm keeping the session going. I'm keeping it going. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Uh, so, guard, mm -hmm. uh, you are out having a stroll uh, in the very earliest hours of dawn. And I think that your focus is on movement, but there's always sort of that half expectation of like, oh, if something goes wrong, then that's what I'm here for, right? So you're mm -hmm. like kind of almost a little hypervigilant. And I think that you hear something kind of clatter and shift in a way that is not as quiet and still as this early, you know, this sort of moment of pre-dawn demands just up around a, a corner. And I think we see you kind of <laughs> trudge down the street, look around the corner, you don't see anything. But then you hear something further up the street, another little clatter, the sound of footsteps on the cobbles, maybe? Something to that effect? And we see you draw your axe, start making your way down the street. You get all the way down to the end of the block, and you it's getting louder. The movement is getting louder. And you see a pallet overturned, and you kind of take the handle of your axe, and you, like push the pallet away in such a way that you're going to be in a combat stance to face whatever is behind this pallet, whatever's making these scuffling noises. And you do, and a capybara jumps out at your face. I need you to make me a deck saving throw. That is a 12. You let go of your axe with one hand, you, you catch this capybara, and you're like wrestling with it a little bit. It's like kind of lunging at your face with its paws out, just like. Uh, what do you do uh, uh, with this, this capybara? What is, the, what is the reactive move here? I'm going to hold it out so it can't scratch me, and then I'm going to look down to see what it was messing with. As you look down, six more capybara burst out from behind this pallet and like ram tackle you and you drop the one that you're holding you take like a couple of stumbling steps back as you like push these things off of you and you collide uh, with a cart and you hear <laughs> as several very heavy objects uh, fall toward you can I get another deck saving throw please oh yeah that's an 18 
Okay, on an 18, on an 18, you manage to like dance around these capybara uh, and you like <laughs> catch all of this stuff uh, that's that's falling on you. You're not sure what it is yet. Uh, and all of the capybara, like they do like figure eights through your legs and then eventually they run off in all directions, right? And you are holding all of this stuff on your shoulders. You've got like one on your head. You're like kind of wavering a little bit. Uh, and from behind you, you hear, Oi, stop standing around. Come on. What are you doing? Excuse me. And I'm going to sort of lift the... I'm imagining like a big pot fell on my head or something. It's, it's actually as you as you start to like reckon with what's happening in this situation, you realize that you are holding um, like a half dozen very heavy sacks. I'm just going to lift them up and poof, put them back on the cart. My apologies. Why are you putting them back? Uh, you don't... Your eye line is clear. There's no one... You're not... You. Whoever it is is speaking from below you. I'm going to look down at the cart. Uh, from kind of almost tucked behind one of the wheels, you see uh, a gnomish man uh, step out from behind, and he is the buffest living hominid you've ever seen. Just like, just like biceps out to fucking here. Uh, he's got this big fucking braided beard. He's all of two foot ten he has half a half dozen of these and these were heavy sacks that you had to like move right mm -hmm. he has the same number stacked on his head and he's like holding them on either side and just perfectly balancing them he's like pick it back up come on we gotta get to work what hello you're new here did they not train you pick up the bags it's really not that complicated okay i pick up the bag all right this way Gart's going to kind of look to the left, look to the right, sort of shrug to himself and start following. Uh, you notice that there's a little trail of flour coming from one of the sacks uh, that this gnome is carrying. You're leaking. I, listen, I can't get them all. It's going to be fine. Uh, and he walks into an alley uh, that you have to like squeeze into. It's like very small and then disappears into a door. What do you do? As I'm carrying the sacks with my foot, I'm going to try to scoop this, the flower that's falling out. <laughs> sort of like kick it along like a like a doing a bad job of like squeegeeing it. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead and give me uh, just a quick performance check. If sure. you are. I'm really good at these. Yeah. It's a two. Uh, I think you you managed to to scrape up some of them. It's like you're you're you are trying to use your foot to scrape up flour in like the pre morning streets of a city. So it's yeah, kind of it's kind of like wet. like thirty percent flour, seventy percent dirt. Yeah, <laughs> that seems about right. And there's it's like it's all kind of now a little muddy because the fog in the yeah. mornings. It's just like not a good situation. But you get it, you get it up to the door. Can uh, I fit through the door? It's low, but it is very wide. So you're gonna have to like duck pretty substantially, but you can get in through the door. Guard's gonna squeeze down and sort of one at a time put the sacks inside the door. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hurry up, hurry up, And then up, he's gonna up. reach down and he's gonna scoop up the flower that he got from the ground that he dropped. And Gross. he's gonna squeeze into the room. Where should I put this? And I'm gonna hold up the flower. This gnome who has set all of his bags down on uh, a set of shelves looks at you from the center of a 
bakery. And as mm-hmm. you sort of look around the room, you see that there are several ovens going. There's a big millstone right in the middle of this space that's being driven by a big horn ram that's just mm-hmm. like moving in a circle. <laughs> and, you know, there are a couple of people who are like kneading rolls and baguettes and like you see somebody like doing kind of that like flip spin thing that you do to, you know, kind of work out uh, dough in its early phases of kneading. Uh, and this gnome looks at you, having just set all of his flour down and just smacks his forehead. You really didn't get any training, did you? I have no memory from beyond two years ago. Who hired this guy? I was sent on behalf of Demoiselle, the goddess of death. All right, we got a jokester in the room today, I guess. Uh, Actually, go ahead and give me another performance check with advantage this time. A nine. Uh, I think one person, I think the guy who's, like, doing the, like, in-air stretching, like, you get a chuckle out of him for that. That's, like, that, that, that hit his humor specifically. This gnome looks at you, kind of wipes his forehead, because now his forehead is just absolutely covered in fucking flour, because he just, like, slapped it, right? He wipes his forehead, and he leaves, like, a greasy, kind of flowery stain, and, and he says, Can somebody figure out if Gale was the one who hired this guy? And what we're supposed to do with him. I I guess in the meantime, I'll show him the ropes. All right, come in. Get rid of that. You're, you're scraping dirt off the floor. What are you doing? Oh, uh, sorry. And then very delicately, I guarded, will place the, uh, the ground flower that he's been holding on the counter. Um, try not to spill any on the floor. Okay. And then he's going to scrape his, you, with his gloves, with his gauntlets, he's just going to scrape off the bottom of his feet and sort of kick him against the back of the door. <sighs> okay. We're going to have to start uh, from scratch, I guess. Uh, first things first, you're going to go wash your goddamn gauntlets. Why are you in a suit of armor? Wash your goddamn hands. And then as soon as you're done that, come over here. You're going to help me with the, you're going to help me with the mixing. Okay. Guard sort of haphazardly walks over to a sink with two big fingers, tries to very delicately turn the sink on without, like, tearing the, no- the knob off. <laughs> I am, no, it just sounds like plates slamming into each other when he rubs his hands. You're washing two plates by scraping them together. Oh, that's foley. Oh. Woo. That's rough. Um, Shakes him off. Walks over to the gnome. I am clean. Great. Fantastic. Amazing. Really, no one gave you any training. Today's your first day, right? You're not just, like, very stupid. I have been on my quest for some time. In this bakery. This is my first time in this bakery. Great. Cool. All right. So we, we there's room. It means we can work up. Fantastic. Can you hold a stick? Yes. Amazing. He hands you a very large wooden spoon. I wield it like a weapon. (laughs) Preparing to do battle. Aggressive, but fine. What you're going to do is you're going to be in charge of mixing. So I am going to be adding things to this bowl. We're making an enriched dough this morning. You think you can handle the mixing? Yes. Fantastic. I have mixed many innards before. He scrunches up his face a little bit and like shakes and his entire body just like his muscles just like ripple a little bit as he heaves up a gross of eggs and sets them down on the counter and just starts 
and he is working fast to get these eggs into this big bowl. Uh, and he seems to be expecting you to do something. Uh, what does Guard do? Well, Guard's gonna mix. I look at this bowl of eggs and I think back to the many times I have been protecting Rally or doing battle against the foes of this world and the next. And I will strike down into this bowl with my divine otherworldly might. Please give me an attack roll. Your choice of reckless. Oh, reckless for sure. 23. Guard the bowl. You, the spoon hits the inside of the bowl and you just like, and you see that initially this actually works pretty well because it takes a lot of force to get this massive eggs moving. Uh, but then as they start to, the yolks start to break and it starts to emulsify, like little bits are kind of flying. Like all of a sudden, like you are making a huge mess out of this. And this gnome who was like initially kind of enthusiastic, right? Who was like, oh, maybe he'll get this one right. Uh, then gets hit in the face with some egg and it's like, Jeff, Fuck's sake, calm down, gentle. I am always calm. Th there is absolutely no need to be attacking this bull right now. Then Guard is going to look down, see himself like covered in bits of egg and like it's flat in the room and then sort of do the exact same motion, uh -huh. but like really slow. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> yeah, slowly swing back the mixer and slowly stick it into the bowl and start attacking right. the innards of right. the bowl, Better. but very slow. Better, okay. And you see that he uh, indeed does. He adds some some water to this, and you continue to mix, and he adds some salt, and he starts, uh, you know, kind of bringing flour into the equation, and you feel the resistance of the dough starting to come together. Uh, and it is at this point uh, that a uh, middle-aged woman whose, you know, kind of tight uh, curly hair is up in... Uh, these braids that they started, they start kind of grayish white and then you see that she's dyed them pink at a certain point. So she's got almost this like bonnet of pink braid that she's created. She's got these very dark eyes, very dark complexion uh, and a, just a little bit of a, of a cracked smile. Uh, and, uh, and she walks up and she puts her hand on the gnome's shoulder and she says, uh, well, I see we got somebody new here in the office today. Where'd you find this one, Snickers? Uh, and the gnome's name is uh, Snickers Von Doodle. Thank you, Darksteel Panda, for that name. This material is fantastic. The more I do battle with it, the more powerful it becomes. As the dough starts to thicken and I'm stabbing it. Damn. Uh, you know, I'm rightly surprised. I'm, I'm rightly surprised he figured out he figured out gluten development in... How long you been here, friend? Several minutes. It's faster than you figured it out, Snickers. I say we keep him. I, who hired him? I was hired by Demoiselle, the goddess of death. <laughs> no, he's got a sense of humor. I like him. Get him on the payroll. And she uh, slaps Snickers on the back and Snickers goes, that's your job. You're the owner of this establishment. You put him on the payroll. Uh, at this point, she's started to walk away and Snickers is just like, oh, for the love of God. Okay. All right. You're doing great. You're doing great. Now... I need you to roll. Can you roll? Guard lies down on the ground and starts to roll. I need you. I need everyone on this audio medium to understand that Cinder looked directly into the camera and facepalmed, which is exactly what Snickers does in response to Guard's shenanigans. Get up. He gets up. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Go wash your hands again, and then come back with a rolling pin. Does somebody want to get the new guy a rolling pin? Uh, and I need a uh, deck save from you. 12. Okay, you go wash your hands, and as you're on your way back, uh, somebody literally hucks uh, like a two-foot solid oak rolling pin at you, and you just, like, catch it in midair. Uh, and <laughs> walk back up to this giant work surface that Snickers is working at. He's turned the dough over, uh, and it's sort of sitting in a mound. I prefer this weapon to the last one. And he sort of swings it and feels the heft. It is definitely uh, heavier, yeah, for sure. Uh what you're going to do is you want to put gentle, even pressure on the dough ball, and you want to use that to roll it out till it's flat. We're going, we want, a, we want a quarter of an inch thickness. Can you, can I write it down? Will that help? I do not know how to read, but I can <sighs> guarantee an even thickness of one quarter inch. Uh, go ahead and roll me. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and say this is uh, this is this is uh, cooking utensils, uh, which I don't think you're proficient in. So it's gonna be just a flat dex check. I'm not proficient, but I will say that when well, this is what Guard is gonna do. Uh huh. Guard is gonna take the lump of dough, sort of slam it on the table in front of him, and then he is going to very mechanically lock his elbows in place and roll his arms down and essentially not move his upper body at all other than just this like very mechanical <laughs> back right, and forth with his arms give to, it attempt to, uh, to attempt to do this uh what is it a d20 uh it's just a d20 at advantage yeah plus your dex a uh, 21 okay uh dc to get this perfectly correct was a 20 uh and you <laughs> out to a perfect square and snickers is just scratching his head all right gift horse in a mouth not gonna look that gift horse in a mouth great amazing we're doing Card great immediately looks for the horse uh and you see uh snickers starts to sprinkle uh some like cinnamon sugar down onto this dough uh and is in the process of making these kind of these cinnamon rolls effectively. Um, and he says, I think I got this uh, now. Uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you go see if anybody needs help over in the ovens? Uh, and he points uh, over to the ovens where there are a couple of people pulling uh, out peels of baguettes. With a speed uncomfortable for a creature as large as guard, he is going to leap to the ovens, pull them open, and yell in, does anybody need help? Nothing is in the oven, but you see the fire flickering off the back wall. I close the oven slowly and look around. I was told there was someone in the oven that needed assistance. Uh, you see a, another guy, uh, you know, kind of tall, lanky build, uh, says, uh, yeah, we need some help getting stuff out of the oven, the, the upper oven that you see. The, and he is gesturing to someone else who's like pulling baguettes out with a, with a peel. Uh, just everything, everything that's in there needs to go if you want to get it out of there. I open it. How hot is it in there? Like, like north of 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit? You get the sense that if your hand is in there for more than like a beat, like a, like a second, you're going to start uh, warping and cracking. But if you move quick, it might be okay. I mean, there. Yeah, guard is going to look around. It doesn't seem like there's any tools that, to do this. Uh, guard's going to try to grab everything out of the oven. 
Go ahead and give me, a, we're going to make this an athletics check. You're not raging, so it's going to be flat. It's pretty good. That's a 21. Okay. Uh, so the DC that I had in my head for this was a 20 to get everything, a 25 to get everything with no damage at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so guard, you shove both your hands in and scoop all of this bread just like straight out of this oven. I think you get a couple of loaves that are just like not quite done. From my torso, my, my, my torso up just yeah. does a 180 and I put them on the table behind me. You uh, take four points of fire damage. Uh, as you feel the bread like singe in and your fingertips burn from being too close to the back wall with the fire. Stickers walks up. I turn back. What the fuck is wrong with you? Guard stops for a second. I do not know where I come from and sometimes otherworldly forces have power over me. Uh, you see that it looks as though he was genuinely going to take psychic damage from the perceived inanity of that statement. And he just like, mm, never trust the new guy to play it straight. Okay, okay, okay. When you're getting shit out of the oven, you find the right tool. Anytime you need to do any job, you find the right tool. I understand. In my previous experiences, I am used to the one being the tool. But I shall wield your tools. And I shall wield them effectively. Uh, and I think with that, we are going to uh, jump to, to a bit of a montage that I want to do through a series of checks here. Okay. The first check uh, that I want you to make for me uh, is I want you to make me a... Uh, we're going to go ahead and call this Intelligence No Proficiency, please. It's fine. I'm not proficient in any intelligence stuff. That's a four. Uh, we cut to guard... Uh, working with the, with the pastry chef of this establishment uh, who is trying to explain to him how to make caramel. Uh, on a four, Cinder, could you please tell me how that goes for Guard? I feel like what ends up happening is Guard is just trying to do too much too quickly. Yeah. He's putting too much sugar in the pan. He's got the heat cranked up all the way. Everything it's it's like it's it's like and he has like he has like several pans that are just the bottom of them is just burnt like black <laughs> and burnt and the top of them is uncooked sugar because it's just he's putting in right. way too much. Uh, we see uh, several people who are now their whole day is just about scrubbing these fucking pans kind of over one of the sinks. <laughs> this caramel is truly a worthy foe. The we just see the pastry chef silently point to the to the front of house uh, because they are now open and now and then we cut to guard behind the counter while Gale runs the register. Uh, guard is helping pull orders from this this uh, this display wall of all of your pastries and breads. Uh, could I please get a flat your choice of performance or persuasion? I don't know if you're proficient in either. It's the same. Okay. So flat charisma check. That's an eight. <laughs> I listen. You tell me. How does this go on an eight? <laughs> I think guard is taking this job seriously with the same level of severity that he would take defeating bandits that were trying to attack his friends, and he is moving too intensely, like shoving bread into people's faces and yelling things like, 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 behold your wares. <laughs> Or like wield it with like wield it with bravery, um, and just like very the the t it's I don't think he's doing I don't think he's messing up in terms of like giving people the wrong orders. Yeah, I think he is just being way too intense. 
there's a child at one point who orders like a like a like a fritter and you just shove it into the child's mouth and the child is like as he walks away and gail who is sort of behind the till here uh kind of screws up her face a little bit and shakes her head she's got, she's still smiling she still uh, uh is taking this with good humor but she shakes her head and she points out the front door uh to a wagon uh that has been loaded down with the day's deliveries uh could i please get an athletics check from guard that is a 20 guard how do you deliver all of this all of all of these baked goods on a 20 Am I delivering them around town? It's all around town, yeah. How big is the cart? Uh, I would say you probably have... Uh, it's, it's pretty big. I'd say you probably have something on the order of about 100 or so deliveries to make. Is, the, is, it, the, is it the size of a cart that would have a horse attached to it? Does it have uh, a horse attached to it? It doesn't have it. a horse attached to it. Uh, it's the size of a cart. I think it's the size of a cart. Like, if you if you were thinking in that way, it'd be like a, like a donkey, maybe, right? Like uh, Like a person could pull it, but it's a little big for a person to pull. My inclination is that guard is going to pick it up rickshaw style. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And start marching through town and handing out. Uh, he, does he know where to give it? Does he know where yeah, it goes? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's like instructions written. F- you can't read. You have been told instructions for where all of these things go. They're like, you can't read, but you identify the appropriate symbols. You line right. things up to straight yeah, yeah, signs yeah. and stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, then guard is going to pull it rickshaw style. Yeah. And as he makes his way through town, um, uh, if there's any like big hassle or anything along the way, he's just going to be like, excuse me, I am on a mission of great import. Um, try to like, push people out, push people out of the way, banging on people's doors. I come bearing bakery items. Uh, you deliver, I think, maybe three quarters of these, and you are sort of doing the back half of the loop. And you find yourself taking a turn down an alleyway, and you take this turn, you sort of bring this 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 wagon kind of rickshaw style with you, and you find yourself staring dead into a cluster of capybara in a triangle formation. They're like, it's like West Side Story. You're like staring them down this alley. Uh, what do you do? They like look up at you and their eyes go wide. Guard is going to sort of like tighten his grip on the <laughs> cart and sort of dig his heels in. Well, 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 we meet again. They all stand up on their back legs and start snapping. I do not normally say this to those that stand in my way. But today, I will offer it to you. Move now. Go ahead and make me an intimidation check with advantage, please. God damn it! It was almost a natural 20. Uh, 10. They all stand up. You see the front, you see the front one flips out a switchblade. I'm gonna rage. All of these, all of the sigils on guard's body glow with this silvery mist that has almost like a dark smoke radiating off of it. Um, his, all of the flower that was sort of covering him and it like explodes off and he is now just standing visceral in his shadow dark demoiselle power. And he is going to, like a bull, sort of kick back his feet and start charging forward. They fall into formation and charge you, just like little legs, like, and we cut to like above the buildings and just see 
blood shoot up from in between the buildings. <laughs> Birds like flying in the background, disturbed by the moment. And we cut back uh, to guard uh, with an empty cart arriving back at the bakery at the end of the day. And guard, I think you walk in and Gail is just like finishing up the Shelves are now totally empty. The display cases are totally empty, and she's uh, she's counting uh, coins. Uh, and she looks up, and you are covered in capybara blood and fur and viscera. And she raises an eyebrow and says, "You killed to get the job done." It was a dangerous quest, but it has been accomplished. Good work, newbie. You got a knack for, well, at least the delivery portion. Nobody else in the back really seemed to think much of your initiatives. But, uh, hey, I think you did pretty damn well by me today. You're something for your trouble. And she flips you a platinum. I look it over in my hand. Guard kind of looks up at all of the, the people in the bakery, like sort of finishing up their day. Takes the platinum, puts it back on the table. I have no need for earthly coin, but you are on a noble quest. I admire it, and I wish you well in the future in your endeavors. It was an honor to help you on your journey and mission today. So you, for your troubles. And I'm going to give the coin back. And we cut to the front of this bakery and start to pan further and further away. And we just hear her say, what the hell are you talking about? I'm off to kill the Emperor. We are ending uh, this episode with Mr. Spinks. So, Emily, um, when yes. you and I talked about what to do with Mr. Mm-hmm. Spinks and whether or not we wanted to sort of see a moment with Mr. Spinks by himself, mm-hmm. uh, there was kind of an obvious thing that we have been kicking down the road for, for some time. And, and, and we're going to get to that. But before that, uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a little bit of a curveball because I think that Sphinx is out with Harissa on the morning that she is going for her walk that she will eventually find herself at Haldir's. But I think that while she is getting lost in the sort of old gubernatorial part of town that 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 regal neighborhood that she's unfamiliar with, uh, she gets separated from Sphinx. Um, and I would like you to please go ahead and roll uh, a survival check for Sphinx oh right at the top. Uh, he got a 10. <laughs> I think that he does. He gets separated from Safra kind of right after that first produce stand. And when she disappears up that stairwell, he turns his back for a second, misses that she disappears and finds himself alone. Uh, I think at first he went, Savra? Sa- and he'll be, you know, go up on his on his back legs, have a look if he can see where she Six is. Six two on his back legs now. Right, uh, over the heads of other people and kind of does a meerkat for a bit and can't seem to find her. And he isn't sure what to do, uh, really, in this moment. He's, I think his curiosity gets the better of him and he just starts sort of, at first looking for Safra, but then just kind of following what is interesting to him. Yeah. And just sort of walking down some things, heading towards where there may be like a, a bright coloured awning or some bunting or something. And yeah, 
just seeing the world sort of at his own pace and also at a new point of view being yeah. higher up is is interesting and curious for him so i think that he does that and he sort of bops from interesting bit of motion to interesting sounds to interesting mm-hmm. color and and eventually i think he starts to see something that maybe he would have missed when he was much smaller where toward a certain part of town there are an abundance of agra flags being flown off of every sort of building top and i think he starts to pattern recognize after a while that they're leading in a direction and he starts to follow and i think he eventually finds himself at the edge of the old coliseum which as we found out when first arriving at agravar has been retrofit to be housing for the many refugees displaced by Sligo's rampage mm. and the war. And so there's this like surge of like native Agra pride in this place because that's what's tying all of these people from very different parts of the world together, right? Mm. Like there are people from all over what is essentially this small nation state uh, that have been sort of thrust into this city kind of unceremoniously and, and and this is where the government is like helping them stay afloat and the thing that ties them together is this vague national identity and i think sphinx sees people in a much wider variety of dress here mm-hmm. a lot of farming outfits uh, a lot of stuff that might be a little bit more familiar to rally and kind of up in the sticks uh, and I think he sees that next to this Coliseum, which is massive, right? There are probably a couple thousand people living in makeshift structures within sure. this Coliseum. Uh, the park that kind of borders it on all sides, uh, large swaths of it have been set aside for, again, more makeshift housing, but large swaths of it have been set aside for uh, places for children to play. And you can see that, like, the people have who are living here have, like, went out of their way to make sure that there are, like, safe places for, for kids to, you know kick a ball around or like climb a thing there are like some some old repurposed like warden training ropes that uh some kids are are sort of playing on uh and i think that mr spinks uh sees uh some kids that that are uh kicking uh a ball around uh just kind of off in in the middle distance and i think that's something that catches his attention uh i think seeing some people just well kids just messing around having fun he again sort of does a double check like oh safra's not here i'm gonna have some fun too and so he kind of like sidles up to where they're playing and i think completely forgetting now that he is like over six foot when he's upright hey um do you need an extra person on your team uh, and this ball flies into this kid's arms and he and he kind of lands in the ground and he looks up and he says a talking lizard wait oh, a minute um, and he stands up don't I know you is this the same kid from Beetleback it is <laughs> it's the same kid from Beetleback his house burnt down in the fire hey kid I told you before I'm a god not a talking lizard. I mean, look at me now, huh? Lizard. Well, you're definitely bigger than a lizard now. That's for darn sure. And he's going to stretch, stretch his new wings out, you know, make him puff up his own chest. Huh. 
you got wings. Can you fly? Yeah. Can't you? Oh, I don't know. I've never tried. Well, you know, it is reserved only for gods and maybe birds. Well, I'm definitely not a god, because Mama says that in nothing but the gods are gods, otherwise that's blaspheming. You should listen to your mother. And also note that I am a god, so, you know, it's fine. But, yeah, anyway, um, can... I'll play with you, though, you know, because I'm a cool god. Are you any good? Am I any good? And <laughs> Spinx is going to, like, grab the ball and just sort of, like, start doing little, like... Or try to do little, like, tricks, you know, like, keep up things with, like, soccer ball, uh, you know? You, as Sphinx is doing that, uh, go ahead and roll me an athletics check. Uh, so that is a 17 in total. That's okay. I think, I think Sphinx right. does, like, a couple of very basic, like, exactly. he kicks it, and then he, like, gets it with his wing, which is maybe not allowed, but, like, he does it anyway. Um, There's no rules against wings. Just juggling it a little bit. Uh, you, you, uh, Sphinx, uh, you hear from, kind of down the, the pitch, uh, some kids yell out, Hey, Jimothy! Who's your friend? <laughs> I swear to God, uh, this this child's name is Jimothy. Thank you, Elderberry, for the name submission. Jimothy? Really? Okay. Yeah? Is there something wrong with my name? No. No. What's your it's name? Fine. Sphinx. Huh. I'm just playing with the... With Sphinx! He's a talking lizard! I'm a go- I'm a god, actually! Kids run up. A talking lizard? Huh. Yeah, he wants to uh, he wants to play kickball with us. I'm pretty good. He did a trick. I mean just one, but it was a trick. Uh go ahead and roll me a persuasion check, if you'd be so kind. Okay. Fourteen? You see that the the kids seem a little divided, uh, and they all seem to turn to one slightly taller kid who looks you up and down, Sphinx, and the kid turns to Jimothy and says, I mean, all right, he can he can play, but he's going to be on your team. And Jimothy, like, screws up his face a little bit. I, all right, I mean, you want to you wanna play with the Sphinx? Yeah, trust me, we'll win. I'm, I'm like, really lucky. And actually, really good, obviously. Oh, you better. Uh, go ahead and, actually, go ahead and also roll me an insight check, if you be so kind. Uh, 15 again. I think Sphinx gets the idea that maybe Jimothy's not the most popular kid here. And that they are, they're kind of pushing Sphinx off onto Jimothy. Uh, so as to not have to, have to, have to claim him. The team split up, and Spinks has no idea how to play whatever sport they're playing. You see that there's like a little bit of passing the ball back and forth at the like one at the far edge of where Spinks has been kind of told to go stand, uh, and one of them rolls the ball toward the other one, and the other one runs up and kicks it as hard as he can. And I need uh, Spinks to please roll me an athletics check at disadvantage. Oh man. Uh, oh my god, a two. <laughs> uh, the the yeah. ball goes straight at you. The ball goes straight at you. And I got it, I got it. You bring your hands together and catch it. You stop it. And Jimothy goes, no, you're not supposed to catch it. You got to kick it back. Oh, oh I knew that. Yeah. It was All the just, kids start you know, laughing at you. He can't kick very well. It was gonna, you know, whatever. Shut up. 
Um, and he's gonna drop it to the ground and try and kick it. All right. Well, just don't, don't, don't no, 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 just kick it back to him. Don't do it again. Next time, if you see it, you gotta kick it back at him. The object of the game is to tag him out, but you can't use your hands. Oh, so I've got to kick the ball at his head. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to hit his head, but like, I don't know. depends on whether or not you like him, I guess. Do we like him? Somebody steps up to the, steps up to kick. All right, head it is. <laughs> All right. Now that you know the rules of the game, go ahead and please roll me another athletics check. Flat. A 19. Yeah. <laughs> what does this look like? I think um, Spinks is going to stand up and and like whack it straight at the big kid's head. Once again, the ball flies straight to Spinks. Uh, and Spinks, it's like coming at you. You rear back and just kick it. And you hear the kid hit the ground. Yeah, and I win. I he win. starts to cry. Oh. Uh oh. What do you mean? Uh oh. You told me to aim for his head. Jimothy starts running in. Towards the kid. Towards the kid. Yeah. What are all the other kids doing? They're starting to crowd around him. I think Sphinx is gonna slowly walk over and his kind of like conviction of doing the right thing is slowly waning as he's walking closer to the to the kid that's on the ground. What can he see as he gets closer? You see that the, the kid is like kind of coming to and he's got a pretty big bruise on the side of his head. Uh, his knees are kind of skinned up from the fall. And the kid who, the bigger kid who initially kind of gave you the nod to play, turns to you and says, What are you, get out, just go, just go. What are you even doing? You're twice our size. But I was told to, I thought that was the game, right? And the kids murmur some stuff about, you know, not even knowing the game, not knowing how to play kickball. And you look to Jimothy and Jimothy kind of, Shrugs. Maybe, uh... Maybe it's not fair to, to play gods versus kids, you know? Oh. Yeah, maybe. Um. Oh, here, um... He's gonna pull out from his magic pocket, you know? Uh, He's gonna pull out, like some really long socks and he's gonna tentatively like tie them around like one of the the braised knees you know like a bandage you, you get slapped away pretty quickly but oh. one of the kids sort of takes over and like one kid slaps you away another one sees what you were trying to do and kind of takes over the tying um I'm sorry I didn't I've only just got this big and I didn't really know my, I didn't know, I don't know my own strength, I guess. Um, I'll go, I'm sorry. Sphinx is going to back away and he's just going to turn and fly for the first time away very quickly to somewhere high up and away from people. 
And I think that we let the camera sort of pan up on Sphinx and fade to the full white of the midday sun. And I think that when we pan back down, uh, Sphinx sees someone standing on a rooftop in the gubernatorial palace waving up to him. Sphinx catches the glint of a little green tattoo on the palm that extends down and up an exposed sort of peck as Horus is wearing just kind of like a casual wrap and standing on this building, waving him down. Sphinx will spot him and do a bit of a a U-turn and sort of come down behind him. A little bit of a rough landing because he's not quite used to it, but, uh, you know, blowing up a load of dust and things and sort of <laughs> digging his claws into the ground as he kind of breaks. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, sorry. <sighs> no, it's, uh, it's all right, Sphinx. You, you've had to learn a lot very quickly. You're not wrong. Where is Safra? He'll kind of like uh, fiddle with his claws a little bit. Will you be mad if I say I lost her? I don't know where she went. <laughs> Sphinx, you are not responsible for tracking her every move. You will know when she needs you. He nods. I was just hoping to be able to have this conversation with the both of you, and maybe, maybe it will be better if it is just you and I. Is is this serious? Like, is something bad happen? No, Sphinx. Please, come sit and he gestures to a little table with an awning that's been set up on this rooftop garden you know some plant shade from some potted plants and you know a little pitcher of lemonade Sphinx is going to walk up to the table and he's going to look at the quaint little chair next to the table <sighs> and he's just going to sit next to it on the floor Horace does the same he pulls out a little, he pulls the cushion off the chair and sits cross-legged on the ground. This definitely surprises Sphinx. He's like taken aback by that. Like it, it's such a, for him, such a big gesture. There's no, uh, I guess I'm struggling to find a way to say this. There's, your friend Garden and I, we made you something. Really? I am afraid that it is maybe a little late to be giving it to you, but... Oh, has it, like, melted or something? <laughs> no, Mr. Spinks, no. It, uh, and he reaches sort of into this wrap that he's wearing and he pulls out this beautiful silk gown that has been built out of the sturdy cotton backbone that guard patched together in the quiet hours of every morning for months. And from that kind of trunk, he unfurls it and these billowing sleeves that are ornately filigreed flutter a little bit in the afternoon breeze and he hands it over to Sphinx, this dress that is the size of a doll's. I think Sphinx almost, he, he goes to touch it and then almost flinches 
like pulls back at just slightly at the thought of potentially damaging it with his big claws. It's really pretty. Thank you. I wish I could wear it. As do I, Mr. Spinks. And thank you for your kind words. It has been a long time since I've had the privilege of being able to make a dress for you. I was worried I had grown rusty. What? What do you mean? He swallows hard. When Safra was a girl, she had a doll that bore your likeness. It is where your name comes from, Mr. Spinks. Was the name of the doll when she was very small? Oh yeah, I um, that was basically me, you know, kind of. So I'm told. She used to take the dresses off of her other dolls and give them to you. She was convinced, rightly so, as I now see, that you were fond of the pretty dresses. Oh, you know, they suit me, so. <laughs> they do indeed, and they always have. But in that way, when a child loves a thing a little too ferociously, the dresses never lasted very long. We would find them in pieces lying on the floors of our home. We would find them worn through and threadbare in the wash basins. They'd get cut on trees when she would climb. The first time it happened, she came to me. Trying so hard not to cry because she was worried that her mother and I would think less of her for her tears. That I promised to never let you go without a dress again. Maybe I'm getting too old for dresses now anyway. You know, they'd get caught on probably worse things than branches now. You know, Mr. Spinks, if you had asked me when Safra was a girl, would there come a time when her spiritual companion should stop wearing a doll's dresses, I would have said, of course, there will come a time. Your job is to protect her. And her job is to be a warrior. But in my time here in the city, I have had the pleasure of getting to know Catherine quite well. And if there's one thing that she's taught me, it is that you can fight in ball gowns. friends. Thank you very much for joining us on this atypical little journey. We had a lot of fun with this episode, and we sincerely hope that you did too. But what rally episode would be complete without a roll call of our illustrious patrons? We have two new patrons joining us this month, Cooper Smith and NZ Sterling. Thank you very much, and welcome to the team.
We also have a new rally defender, Bildo Double O. Thank you. And thank you to all of the rest of our defenders, Darlene Wallace, Darksteel Panda, GamerTubeHD, Lord Dreamer, Michael McFarlane, Randolph Jenkins, and Russia Snivy. We couldn't do it without y'all.